You're listening to Tooth Be Told. For the latest updates, like our SPIU Alberta Facebook page and follow us at SPIU Alberta on Instagram. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into the Tooth Be Told podcast. My name is Ying and today I'm joined by my co-host Nick. Hey everyone, my name's Nick. Uh, I'm a second year dental student now at the U of A and I'm excited to be joining Ying as a co-host. Yeah, so for this episode, um, it will be the first of two episodes about the residency program. And our guest speakers today are Patrick and Reed from the recently graduated DDS 2021 class. Hi, I'm Patrick. So I, I did just recently graduate. We just started GPR here at the U of A. Um, so previously, I, I did a little bit of work with the DSA and a little bit of work with Oral Health, Total Health Alberta and a handful of other volunteer activities, but um, yeah, I guess that's my, my short introduction. And I'm Reed. I'm also one of the recently graduated students and one of Patrick's good buddies. And during dental school, I ended up actually founding a student initiative called Access for All Dentistry. And so that was kind of my big project during dental school. I wasn't DSA president like Patrick or anything, but still added. Mm-hmm. Both Patrick and Reed had um, really decorated um, years at the uh, School of Dentistry, and um, we're really happy of all the things that you've done for our program. And now we're going to move on to kind of the questions for our GPR residents here. Yeah, so to start off, for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with general practice residencies or GPRs, uh, Patrick, how would you describe what a GPR is? So I guess it, it gets a little complicated because it, it really varies where you apply or where you're planning to go to school. So if we take it down to the very basics of just general practice residency, it'd be somebody who's trying to go into general practice and they want a little bit more experience per se. Um, but then most of the time, it doesn't always work out that way. A lot of the GPR programs across Canada uh, and the US, if they're actually a GPR program, would be more hospital-based. Whereas there's like AGEDs, advanced or AEGDs, advanced education in general dentistry, which would be kind of more just working on clinical skills. Um, I'm not the expert on that field, so uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that for that. And then for for as far as GPR goes, it really depends on where you go. Like the U of A has kind of a good mix, I would say, in my opinion, because I'm not really interested in specializing. You know, I kind of a bit of an interest in, in hospital stuff and, and just in general dentistry. So I felt like it had a good, a good strong, where you get to actually get to still do stuff. You know, you still do fix, you still do restoration, surgery. You do, you, you do every specialty, basically. You're not kind of just in the hospital. Whereas some of the other programs across Canada, like either they're just in the hospital or they're just in like a, a certain kind of care facility and not specifically um, doing stuff that maybe every general dentist would be doing. So I'd say it's kind of a good good mix. I don't know if Reed has anything else to add. Yeah, I only applied to one other program at UBC and they were completely hospital-based, but they rotated through different uh, hospitals. So you spent some time at the BC Cancer doing some pathology, some surgery. You spent some time at the BC Children's Hospital doing some GA work. And so there's a little bit more hospital-based rotations through the hospital at UBC as, a pair, as opposed to U of A, where it's mostly just in the clinic. Um, but those were the only two that I really had a lot of exposure to. 
Right. Sounds good. And in terms of the AEGD program, for the next episode on GPR, we are all, we're going to actually be contrasting between uh, GPR and AEGD. So don't worry for our listeners, I guess, um, in the next episode, you'll find out what that is. Um, I guess the next question is like, what factors led you guys into the decision to do a GPR instead of going directly into private practice? I know, Patrick, you kind of um, touched on that a little bit there, but I guess uh, we'll have Reed start us off here first. Yeah, so I decided very last minute that I was going to apply to the GPR programs. I think it was probably like two weeks before the deadline, I finally decided I was contemplating applying to some specialty programs, but wasn't a hundred percent sure which route I wanted to go. And the university of Alberta GPR is really good for having, like Patrick said, the mix of clinic. So you still see a lot of complex process cases. You get to do some endo, you get your IV sedation training, which is huge, especially if you do go end up working in private practice. I think it's like a $25,000 course. And you do a lot of implants and surgery. So a lot of wisdom teeth, which you don't do at other programs. Um, So that's kind of what drew me to applying to the U of A at least was having that extra year to get my feet wet a little bit more in dentistry to really know if I wanted to specialize or go into private practice. Mm, Sounds good. Um, And Patrick? I guess a little bit different than Reed because I wasn't really that interested in specializing, but I had, I had a bit of an interest in potentially working at the hospital and looking at all the people that work in the hospital, at least the U of A hospital, uh, just about all of them, I think, did their GPR at the U of A, except for Dr. Pressing, who is kind of grandfathered in. So I was kind of like, well, if I want to maybe work at the hospital, then it's something I'd have to do. And then I also just, like Reed said, wanted more exposure to surgery, implants, kind of seeing more complex cases and just getting to get a little bit better at my skills. Nice. And uh, so Reed, what does a typical day in the life look like for you guys? It varies quite a bit. Um, Our schedule is, so there's four residents and each week one of the residents is on call. So you're typically on call Wednesday to Wednesday. And then the way that we've kind of decided is that the week before you're on call, you're second on call. So you kind of have to be around the city, ready to get called in at any point for two of the four weeks every single month. And then we split our time between K Edmonton Clinic, and then we are at the University of Alberta Hospital Clinic a little bit as well. So the week you're on call, you're typically at the hospital clinic for three of the five days. And then uh, the rest of the time you spend at K Clinic. So when you're at K Clinic, it's 8.30 to... 3.30, 4.30, whenever you end. And then if you're on call, you can get called in at any time. I think Patrick and I have both been in the OR at the Royal Alec with the oral surgeons till about 3 a.m. a few mornings. And you get called in a few times. They like calling you in to help with infections or fractures and whatnot. So the schedule varies quite a bit. And our year is a little bit different. And so was last year because typically they have after our clinics every single day during the week but they've actually condensed it to just an after hour clinic on the weekends. So we usually work two weekends, or I guess two days on the weekend every single month. So one Saturday and one Sunday, which you do get compensated a little bit extra for working those shifts. And those are purely just extraction or prescription emergency clinics. So they're a lot of fun actually. 
how are you finding it, I guess, compared to dental school? Cause you kind of just ended that. Is it a lot, is it kind of difficult like having that much more on your plate or has it been a pretty good adjustment? I found it was a fairly easy transition in terms of clinical clinically. I found the U of A did a really good job on preparing us to head out into the real world. I think the big thing was hopping into seeing like eight, nine, 10, 12 patients a day, as opposed to two and doing the treatment a lot quicker, having 45 minutes, half hour to do some of these treatments, as opposed to the three hours that we had in dental school. And then doing notes was a real big thing. I think Patrick can attest to that. We spend about an extra hour, hour and a half every single day writing notes after. Yeah. The, the notes, the notes come after you, especially when you're at the hospital and then you'll, you might have to make a note um, in their actual program, but then you also might have to make a note on connect care, which is like the Alberta wide. So basically anytime you see somebody in the hospital, if they send you a consult, you're going to have like some doctor wants your opinion on something. So then you're going to have to write an extra note. So you're kind of they're, 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 like some patients have two notes that you're writing for everybody. So it, it, it does end up being a lot of notes. So you, you got to stay on top of it. Um, I'd say one of the other shocking, maybe not shocking parts, I guess, because I kind of liked that part of it. Like I felt like after we graduated, at least from the U of A, that I felt pretty confident going into private practice. Um, so then when, I guess, because like, it's not like anyone's kind of hovering over your shoulder, checking your work or anything like that. Like you're just, you're there. And then especially like in the emergency clinics on the weekend, like you're, you're kind of the final say, <laughs> you're the last person there. So if, if you get in too deep, like you, you're kind of on your own, like you can always call somebody for help, but they're obviously not going to, be able to help you in the next five minutes there they might give you some guidance over the phone so you have to be i guess that part you got to be confident what you're doing no yeah, that sounds sure. great um yeah no that sounds great and it sounds really really interesting and um i hope you guys are surviving i, I guess adjusting into all of this because um you still have a little bit of ways to go in the program i guess uh my next question was going to be for Patrick, and it was going to be the most shocking part of transitioning from dental school to the GPR program, but we kind of covered that. So I was wondering, um, do you have any specific like cases that you remember that was like really shocking that you thought maybe, oh, I wouldn't get to do this or I wouldn't get to um, participate or something like that? I, I guess if you're asking me first, I've seen, I've seen some interesting stuff for sure already in the first month. So I've actually seen two alveolar fractures like through and through buckle to palatal like where the palate's actually like ripped up a bit oh wow uh, so pretty intense pretty intense stuff um yeah I don't know like that, that that it's you know the second time around was you're like oh I've seen this before you know I kind of know what to do but you're still like not that confident that you're it, it I don't know it's been good it's been fun it's crazy um read I guess anything that you want to share about that? Uh, I guess I think the most shocking for me is the amount of times that there's kids falling and hitting their front teeth and having them like evolve or break. I think the week I was on call three or four of the days I got paid like four or five times from the pediatric emerge. I pretty much had their number memorized by the end of the week on kids coming in, falling, hitting their front teeth. So you either have to go in and try and either pull these teeth or put some teeth back in, or if they're old enough that they're permanent teeth, you're splinting some teeth and then just getting really well acquainted with the 
trauma guidelines. There's a few times where I'm like, I just got to go to the office for a sec and just like check the guidelines quick <laughs> to make sure that I'm telling him the right stuff and then go back and get the work done. Reed, how often are you guys, like both of you two working together? Are you guys pretty separate throughout the day? Uh, it depends on the week. When we're in K clinic, there's usually two, three, or all four of us that are working together in the clinic. When you're at the hospital, you're working alone with the, well, I guess not alone. You're working with the staff docs when you're there during the week. And then on the weekend, you're typically working alone unless it's super busy, then you call in the second on call. Okay. And how many hours do you guys, I think you guys kind of touched on this a little bit. How many hours uh, do you guys work on average per week? Reed, I guess you could take this one. Yeah. So on an average week, we're about 8.30 to 4 every single day, um, except for on Wednesdays, we have rounds. So we have lectures with some of the staff docs or the specialist at starting from at 7 a.m. So those days are a little bit longer because you're there 7 a.m. till 4, 4.30. And then when you're on call, it could be any hours. You can, like I said before, Patrick and I were in the emergency or in the operating room until 3 a.m. a few days. I think one day that I was on call, I was at the hospital from 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. between the emergency clinic and then getting calls and just dealing with that. So it's really varied, but on a typical week when you're not on call, it's just Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 4, pretty much. Yeah, I guess like when you're like, just because I was on call this last week. So um, when you're on call, I guess we were, we agreed that we'd work Saturday and then you get Sunday off. But then I got called in on Sunday. So I basically worked from 9.30 to 6.30 Saturday. And then I wrote notes till probably eight o'clock. And then we, then slept for a bit but then I also got called into the OR Saturday night and I'd also been called into the OR on Friday night so like you know you were barely sleeping in between and then you were on Sunday and then I got called in again so I slept for a bit and then I was there from um I guess two to about seven thirty eight ish and then like on then a Monday it was a holiday Monday and then that was my I guess week to work the stats so then I worked for eight hours on the holiday Monday so it's like, it is busy. And like my first, very first weekend on call, like remember that very first night, like I got paged all night. Like I was up from like when we started clinic in the, in the day at like eight o'clock on Friday or whatever. And then I like just got home, got paged for somebody, had to come in, spun some teeth, then went home. And then like, I was only home for about an hour, got paged again, had to come back in. Then I was home at like four o'clock and then I got home and then somebody paged me again, asked me something other. So it was like, I was up for like 28 hours or something before I actually got to go to bed. <laughs> Those on-call weeks are very busy. When Wednesday hits and you're off call, it's, it's a relief. You get to finally catch up on some sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that sounds like it's, it's a lot, but you know, from the way that you guys are talking about it, I'm, I can see that you guys are enjoying it. Um, I was also wondering can you describe kind of more about the facilities that you're in, like the hospital? And then I know you're at the K as well, like and kind of contrast them as well. Yeah. So at the K clinic, it's similar to how things were if you did undergrad at U of A, where you're in the, it's the clinic was built in 2012, I believe was the first year that they had students there. So it's one of the newest dental clinics in Canada. I think it is the newest still actually. And so it's a beautiful facility. There's 140 chairs. Um, with the GPR clinic, we kind of have our own little separate area. 
and we're nice and close to the lab where we can go in and talk with all the lab techs, get stuff sorted out if we need help. We have all the material right there that we need. We have assistants that are there helping us and helping clean the rooms for us, helping us with pretty much everything we need. And so it's, it, it's kind of halfway between dental school and private practice where we're still expected to do some stuff that you wouldn't do as a dentist in practice. Whereas when you go to the hospital, it's pretty much straight private practice. Like you walk in, the dental assistant has already taken the x-rays and that you ask them to take, and then you do your treatment and then you walk out. Like there's no cleaning up. There's nothing. You just get up, go do your notes after. So that's a lot more like private practice. The dental facility was recently renovated a couple of years ago. And so same thing. It's a beautiful clinic, a lot of room. It has lifts in every room for patients who are in hospital beds. And it's very accessible for people coming in and out and stretchers and whatnot. So they're both excellent clinics. I guess if you want to contrast them a little bit, K Clinic has diamond burrs. The hospital has <laughs> <Yeah>. carbide burrs. <laughs> that, that's probably the biggest biggest difference. K Clinic has like the Garrison Matrix, and the hospital has like Topamire. <laughs> Don't tell Doctor Kula that. <laughs> there's no there's no bioclear at the hospital. Oh no. Um, I just had a bit of a follow-up, Reed. You'd mentioned earlier about rounds and how you guys have those. I think it was on Wednesdays you'd mentioned. I was wondering if you could maybe go into a bit more detail on what exactly those are and what you do during those. Yeah, so it's typically just an hour long from 7 till 8 because then when you're at the hospital, the hospital staff starts at 8 o'clock. So we get there at 7 and they give us a lecture. Each week's different. This week was on cardiac patients, so going through what to look for, what to expect. We've had some on patients with bleeding disorders, how to deal with it, what happens if a patient comes into the emergency room and is bleeding. Um, we've talked about cancer patients, the screening protocols, um, fluoride, um, doing the fluoride for them and referrals, how to refer them back to the Cross Cancer Institute. So it's a lot of lectures teaching the residents how to deal with medically compromised patients how to deal with these situations. I think we had one on fractures and infections. So it's very informal. The four of us residents and typically one staff doc sits in one of the operatories in the hospital. And it's just really a, a conversation more so than a lecture talking about it, going through the slides and we can kind of interrupt them at any time and ask questions. So it's really nice to get used to some of those patients that some of our classmates probably might be a little scared to treat in private practice because in dental school, they do scare you quite a bit about medically compromised patients. Whereas at the hospital, you see everybody. Like I've had referrals of patients that I've seen from dentists who have been out in the community for 15 years. And it's like, I just graduated, but I'm in the hospital. So this is where the patient's getting referred. So you're kind of doing that treatment. So you kind of double check a few things with the staff docs and ask them a few questions and make sure you're kind of going on the right direction. And then you kind of go from there. And so it's just having those rounds is nice to discuss those cases and just become more comfortable with it. Oh, nice. So switching it up just a bit, Patrick, a lot of our listeners may be interested potentially in specializing. So we were wondering, how do you think a GPR residency helps with that? I know you're not maybe interested in doing that, but how, how maybe have you found that so far? 
so I can't really comment on other schools, obviously. Um, at least at the U of A, we, we, we get a lot of good exposure. So like if you're in, interested in prosthodontics or something like that, we spend every Thursday with Dr. Compton. Um, so he's a prosthodontist. He's been practicing dentistry, I think he said, for 50 years. So he has a wealth of, wealth of knowledge and he, he'll, you know, he'll kind of guide you through any case that you're wanting to tackle. Um, so I think that, that's super great experience. And it's been a lot of fun so far this year doing stuff that you're, you know, as a first year new grad, like you're definitely would not be doing that case. So that, that's been really, really awesome. Um, we get kind of one-on-one -on -one days with an uh, endodontist. So Dr. Law from out in microendodontics that they got in the city. Um, he, he's been on vacation, I think over the summer. So he's not until October is our first, first uh, day with him. But then you basically, he'll kind of help you with um, any tough root canals that you want to try. And I'm, I believe he gives us like a lecture in the morning before the day that he's there. Um, other specialties, like um, if you are at the U of A, you've met Dr. Tracky. So she, every Wednesday we have kind of surgery day and we're there with Dr. Tracky in, in the oral surgery department. She's kind of comes in, gives you tips on, on what to do. And, and she's awesome. Like super, super great, super helpful. Always wants you to teach anything, you know, we'll let you kind of tackle tough cases and help you get, guide you through them. So it's been like really good in that sense. What other specialties? Um, like, and then I guess, not necessarily a specialty per se, but you get like other lectures too. Like there's Dr. Cornish who will come and he'll give you a tip or, you know, and you kind of, you kind of get, um, I don't know, different exposure to different people. Like even, even like the hospital, I'd say, like even just asking those docs, they have a lot of experience. So maybe like, they're not, I guess, a recognized specialist, but they, in a, in a way they are at the hospital, right? Like they, they, they seem to know so much about bleeding disorders, different, um, Disease like when you're talking about cancer patients, liver patients, like they just they seem to know everything. So they they've been really great. I don't know if Reed can think of any other specialties we're exposed to. Yeah, I guess setting if students are interested in doing a GPR to specialize. Um, I know for surgery, if you're applying anywhere in Canada, um, it says right on a lot of their websites they prefer students to have a one-year hospital GPR or internship experience. And especially in the States too, they like students having that experience because you're have one more year of working, of doing extractions, of learning more about dentistry as a whole before jumping into the specialty. Um, I know endo often likes people to be out working for a little bit first. So it just kind of sets you up to specialize in the sense that it's not a wasted year, because if you decide to go to private practice after, you still get a lot of valuable tools, like Patrick was saying, to go into private practice, but it also gives you a good exposure to all the different specialties and really decide if that's the specialty you want to do. Like I wasn't a fan of doing fixed in undergrad, but like Patrick was saying with Dr. Compton, we've tackled some pretty cool cases. Like today, I caught off four crowns, built them up, and then took an impression of the crowns and an implant at the same time. And I'm like, in undergrad, there's no way that would happen. And just getting some full mouth reconstruction cases planned and whatnot, like, it's a lot of fun being able to tackle that stuff. And having someone there that's willing to push you along and kind of show you how to do it is pretty cool. So just getting the exposure to the different specialties will also help you either decide, like, yeah, I want to do this, or no, I don't want to do this. I think for the U of A GPR, the only exception would be peds. We do not see any kids, <laughs> except for at the hospital if it's in the emergency room. 
actually did see see one kid a couple of weeks okay. ago, but like, I think that's a super rare thing. Like they were like, oh, you're booked with a kid. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're seeing kids today. Um, oh, and I guess one thing I forgot to mention, I guess as far as exposure goes, one Friday a month, we're actually kind of booked to be at the Royal Alex with the oral surgeons in the OR doing, usually they're, I guess, doing jaw surgeries, stuff like that, like pl planned surgeries rather than, if, if you're on call, they'll call you in for like a fracture and infection or something like that, but they'll call you in the middle of the night, like it won't be kind of a surgery that they planned. And I guess it might also be like just extractions on a very medically complex patient that needs to be done in a hospital setting. Um, so th there's that too. So there's more exposure, I'd say to surgery at least. Right, for sure. Patrick, you mentioned in your uh, first answer there that you guys still get um, lectures sometimes. Um, do you, so I guess like, is, does that happen often? Are there any more exams or anything like that? So th there's no exams, more of just like, I guess I, like not necessarily a lecture, more of a seminar, I should say. Like you don't, <laughs> they're, they're just kind of talking about stuff and giving you more insight to just more in-depth topics. Um, every, every Thursday, so on the Wednesdays, we have like rounds in the hospital. So we learn about hospital stuff. And on Thursdays, we have kind of just like a, a one hour lecture in the morning, kind of our seminar before clinic starts. And like the week before we had Dr. Compton just kind of going through some cases. We had Dr. Cornish kind of talk about different things uh, the week before. And they just kind of get different speakers. I know last year they had like Dr. Verheg, which is like a removable prosthodontist. And they just get, I guess, different people to come in and give short little talks about different I don't know, different ideas just kind of, and then like, I don't know, I guess last, the one we could start to give us like a paper to read. And then we talked about that paper, kind of stuff like that. So no, no exams, no tests. It's not like a, you know, they're not, they're not <laughs> trying to test you or, or, or make it hard. It's just like, oh yeah, read this for your like own information. Cause it's like something super useful that we could, you know, maybe put into practice when you're here. I guess to add to that, there is exams but not through the gpr the exams are with when you do the iv sedation course um we do our cbct viewing course so there are some exams with the extra ce that we do throughout the year but not in the gpr per se okay sounds good yeah so just kind of just, uh, switching up a little bit again over to financials um, Reed, did GPR residents get paid during residency? And uh, if so, how much can they expect to make? Yeah, so we do get paid a little bit. Um, we get paid the same as any R1 medical resident in Alberta. So we'd get paid the same as someone doing family medicine or like doing a surgery residency in their first year. So it's 57200 I believe, for the year. But then we're also an exception where when we're doing the after hour clinics at the hospital, you do get paid a little bit extra for that. So it's about $600 per day that you're there. So over the year, I think I calculated it, it'll be around 70,000 for the year. Okay. And are there any like costs at all for you guys in terms of like tuitions or anything like that? I think there was a thousand dollar like PGME, post-grad med medical education registration and like library fees and stuff through the U of A. And then they highly suggest you get malpractice, which I think was like 1500 for the year. And then they do, you do need to get a research and education license, which is I think 1200 for the year. So there are a few costs involved, but nothing too crazy. Okay. 
So Patrick, uh, do the government student loans occur interest during a GPR or do they remain interest free? So I guess te technically they would start to accrue interest, but you could apply um, to remain interest free, but then it's kind of dependent on whether they, I don't know, accept your application, I guess. You would send out an application kind of, it's super easy. It's just like through your they change the name of the, the Canada Student Loans Fund, but you just, it's like an online thing. You just check, they, I think they verify it with the U of A that you're kind of enrolled and then they would, and then they kind of decide whether they'll kind of extend your interest-free period or not. Technically they don't for dental residents, but we're classified as medical as I think surgery residents on when we're hired by AHS. So <laughs> we're, we're medical residents. So they pushed it for us. <laughs> um, and I guess another kind of question towards that, um, are residents allowed to moonlight or work at another dental clinic during off time during residency read? I mean, it sounds like you guys are pretty busy most of the time, but would you guys be able to do that if you wanted to? Yeah, you're able to. Um, I contemplated doing it. I was actually applying for my full license and then just to get it on time because we graduated late, I ended up getting the research and education one. And I'm kind of glad I did because even though there is time to work after, you're just so tired and begged from the either being on call or clinic. And it's nice to get some time off. So theoretically you could, but it would be very busy and you would pretty much have zero days off if you did. I guess you just mentioned about your um, research and education. Um, license was it? Um, could you talk a little bit more about that, I guess? Yeah, so as a resident or as someone who is in a specialty program, such as like ortho or perio grad, you get a research and education license. So you're only allowed to work at the facilities under the university umbrella. So we can't go work in private practice with that license, but it's significantly cheaper I think it's, well, it's $600 per half year as opposed to, I think it's like 3000 for a full license per half year. So it's quite a bit cheaper. And then it just allows you to work under the school's umbrella. So that's what a lot of the instructors have teaching at the universities as well. Okay. And this is kind of just because you had mentioned the word research. Do you guys uh, have to do any research as a part of the GPR or is it all like clinical work? No, it's... it's it's all clinical work. We, there's no research requirement at all. Um, if you wanted to, theoretically, you probably could. But I don't think there's been a GPR student who's published anything in their GPR as far as I'm aware. Yeah, that makes sense with all the time commitment GPR is. And yeah. And this is the last question for the both of you here. Um, what has been the most unexpected or memorable moment of your GPR so far? Uh, Patrick first. Oh man, um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of of memorable, and I guess like partially not kind of unexpected, kind of not unexpected. I feel like when I talk to like different people, like people who did GPR last year, at least at the U of A, um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, they're like, oh you'll see everything, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, like you don't really get what that means, and then you spend like kind of a month, especially like those emergency clinics and being on call, and then like some of the stuff that comes in, you're just like. Oh yeah, I see. I see what you mean when you say that you like literally see everything. And like, I don't know, even just like the amount that 
like I guess the amount more confident that I feel just even in the past month at doing different things is is like crazy. Like I don't know if there's a specific thing. I did talk about the abdominal fractures earlier, but even just like going in the OR and seeing drain infections, seeing people just come in with huge facial swelling, like you think, oh yeah, like this patient in, in undergrad, they have like a little bit of swelling on the side of the cheek. And you think that that's like, oh, that's swelling. I got to check that in the box. And then you get someone who comes in the hospital with, with the same like swelling in air quotes. And then their whole neck is like a balloon. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to send you downstairs <laughs> to the eMERGE. <laughs> you know, so like there's definitely, there's definitely um, a lot a lot of memorable moments so far. I can't even break it down to one. Right. Yeah, I would agree with Patrick. I think the after hour clinics at the hospital and when you're on call, you see a lot of stuff that you would never see if you went into private practice, like people having those fractures, like Patrick said, getting called in to the ORs with the surgeons. I think it was my like second day on call. I got called in at midnight to go help with almost a Ludwig's angina and like very rare that you'd see that and like show up and this guy's neck is just completely swollen. He can hardly breathe. He's like drooling everywhere. Can't hold his secretions. And it's like, okay, this is what a Ludwig's angina looks like. So just stuff like that, that you would never see if you went right into private practice, it would typically get, go right to the hospital. So just having that experience is really neat. Right everything just feels so much more real, right? Instead of like, oh, textbook or images in lectures. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And that is it for this episode. Thank you to Patrick and Reed for joining us today. Best of luck to you guys for the rest of your residency. Yeah, Thank you very me. much. Yeah, thanks guys. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode where we talk to residents Eleanor and Emily about the differences in the GPR program and the AEGD program. Okay, bye everyone.